Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Late last night, early this morning, Guy Lafleur passed away after a battle with lung cancer. The last of the flying Frenchmen. My favorite Montreal Canadian of all time. The flower. Le Demont Blanc. Five Stanley Cups. 1973, 76, 77, 78, 79. The first player in the National Hockey League to score 50-plus goals and 100-plus points in six consecutive seasons. In my opinion, the most electrifying, the most elegant, the most spectacular Montreal Canadian of all time. Tonight, I pay tribute, along with his friends, former colleagues, teammates, fans, to the man that everyone called the flower. The Sick Podcast is coming up. I'm Marinero. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Marinero. The Sickest Montreal Canadiens Podcast. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Sports entertainment like no other. Brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the Cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. April 22nd, 2022 will forever be known as one of the saddest days that Montreal has ever known. The entire city is sad today. We lost our hero. We lost our hockey idol. Guy Lafleur is no more. But legends never die. And his legend and his star will always shine bright. Tough day today. Tough day. Um, I had a chance to meet Guy Lafleur on several occasions. I had a chance to talk to him on several occasions. And I'll, there's a couple of stories I'll tell you quickly before we, can, uh, before we get to our guests. Um, one of which was several years ago, um, his friend and advisor, Donnie Cape, uh, organized for the Stanley Cup uh, to be in town. And um, they brought it over to um, a restaurant on the West Island. And um, Donnie Cape was there. Guy Lafleur was there. His best friend, or one of his best friends, his former teammate Larry Robinson was there. 
And Donnie invited a couple of people and myself and um, my eldest son were two of those people. And um, I spent time with Gila Fleur and Larry Robinson with the Stanley Cup. And it's a day that I'll never forget for sure. But around Christmas time, or actually it was at Christmas time, I said, um, you know, I used to have a Gila Fleur jersey growing up as a kid. I remember there was a, a poster of him in the locker room. He was tying his skates. He didn't have his jersey on. He was tying his skates and uh, that poster actually came in a Montreal Canadiens magazine. And if I'm not mistaken, even in a disco album that he uh, released back in 1979. And I, I had that poster and I put scotch tape and I put it up on my bedroom door. And I looked at that poster all the time. I was fascinated by Gila Fleur. Um, when we played ball hockey, we were all Gila Fleur. When we played ice hockey, we were all Gila Fleur. Um, he made his dream. And he made a lot of our dreams reality. Um, he was magical. He was, he was poetry in motion. He was, um, out of all the Montreal Canadiens, he's the one that can get you out of your seat more so than any other Montreal Canadian. And he wasn't only greatness on the ice, he was greatness off the ice. He was uh, class, genuine, uh, a real person. And at uh, Christmas time, I said, I'm going to get myself a gift. And I got myself a Gila Fleur jersey. And uh, I put the picture up on social media and I put the video up on social media. And his advisor and friend, Donnie Cape, saw it and called Guy and actually sent it to him. And uh, he said to, to Donnie, he said, get me that jersey. Uh, you know, he, that jersey deserves to be signed and I want to sign it for him, even in his um, fragile state. Uh, so he, uh, I got him the Jersey. I got Donnie, the Jersey, Donnie got it to Guy. Guy signed it. And then Donnie called me up a couple of days later and said, um, uh, meet me at Rockerberries, um, on the West Island, um, on, uh, on sources and in, in Brunswick and in DDO. And, uh, that was one of their, uh, their favorite hangout spots. And, uh, and I met Donnie there and, uh, he told me that, uh, Guy was uh, too weak to be there. Uh, but Guy wanted to talk to me. So he gave Guy a call and he passed me the phone and I said, Guy, thank you so much. And he said, thank you, uh, for going out and getting my Jersey. I said, are you kidding me? Guy? I said, you were my favorite player then. And you're my favorite player now. And he said, thank you very much. And that Jersey deserved to be signed. So I was happy to sign it for you. And I said, Guy, I know you're going through a really tough time. Please fight. I love you. All Montreal Canadiens fans love you. Hockey fans around the world love you. Everybody loves you. And, um, and we need you. And um, he said, I'll fight. I'll fight. And fight he did. I want to bring in a couple of people, and we'll start with one guy uh, who knew him very, very well. Probably better than most, probably better than anyone. Why? Uh, they worked together from 1974 until Guy retired in 1984 as a player for the first time. But even when he retired, for a while, he worked with the Montreal Canadiens, so he probably saw him for quite some time uh, and then probably saw him less when Guy made his comeback and joined the New York Rangers in 1989. But they've been friends for the longest time. They kept in touch. He's former Habs athletic therapist, 
for 26 years from 1974 to 2000. Gaetan Lefebvre. Hi, Tony. How are you? He knew you as Pitsy Gates, huh? Yeah, Pitsy Gates is right. You know what, Tony? This is a, a tough act to follow after what you just said. Um, I was, um, I needed an handkerchief. Um, flower was a, how do I say that? Flower made people better, both on, around him on the ice, but also off the ice. Um, you, you know, your story about Donnie Cape, you know, Donnie had a daughter who had health issues and, you know, he like, Donnie was, wore his, sleeve, his emotion on his sleeves. It's, it's, it's not a, a, it's not a luck that Donnie is close to Larry Robinson and Guy Lafleur because they're, they're, they're twin brothers. That like, they're, they're generous people. They're great people, yeah. both, and uh, they're superstar on and off the ice. I mean, uh, I don't know where you want to start. <laughs> well, so let's, why don't we do this, um, Gates? And thank you for doing this because it's been an emotional day for everyone. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but to be honest, I'm absolutely spent. Um, I, I think I, I I don't have any tears left in my in my system. Um, uh, I'm, I'm running on fumes right now. But as much as it's tough to talk about Guy, it's kind of like therapy at the same time. So it's hard to do, but I'm kind of happy that I'm doing it, if that makes sense. But wh- yes. why, don't you, why don't you start and you tell people a little bit about yourself. I knew you were a, a Point St. Charles kid growing up. Uh, I don't know much more than that. I don't know how big a Canadians fan you were or you weren't. I don't know how you got the opportunity. You started off, I believe, as an assistant to Eddie Palchuk, and after a couple of years, you became the head therapist, if memory serves me well, but talk yeah. to us about your story and 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 uh, when you started working for the Canadians and how that all came about. So 1974, um, uh, I'm from the point, uh, and I was I was raised in the, uh, how do you say that, the back store, beyond a depreneur on La Prairie and uh, Chateau and, and Ropery uh, with no shower, no bath, just a behind a depreneur with, maybe 600 square feet for a family of five people. Uh, and so I, and I, I quickly knew that I needed to have a summer job. So in 74, 74, um, there was a new lacrosse league for which there was a team with the Montreal Quebecois that were co-owned by John Ferguson and their office was on park Avenue. So I jumped on my bike with a, with an empty, empty blank envelope so I, I rode my bike from Point Central to Park Avenue north of Mo, uh, Montreal, Mont Royal Avenue. And I said to the receptionist, my dad is in his park, double park. I got his money for season tickets. And I walked into Mr. Ferguson's office. I said, my dad's not here. If he, if he knows I'm here, he's going to give me a, you know, give me a, a good, a good wank. I said, I need a summer job. He says, come back in May. Uh, the camp is at Loyal College. And I went there in May and he says, you still here? I said, you told me to come in May. So they hired me to be jack of all trade and a master of none at age 14 with, with the Quebecois. Wow. And, and at the end of the year, uh, Habs needed somebody at the time that the therapist was Bob Williams and the equipment manager was with Eddie Palchak. They needed a, uh, a young pair of hands to be around and be a rink rat, but in the locker room. And that's how I started. And, that's so when, you, when you started in 1974, 
uh, Gia joined, uh, of course, he was the, uh, uh, the first pick overall in 1971. And by the way, what a story this was, all right, okay? So the Canadians won the Stanley Cup in 1971. Uh, they had defeated early on in the playoffs the Boston Bruins, who uh, that year were a powerhouse with, with Orr and Esposito and Cashman and, and, and company and Busick and, and all those great players. Uh, and, and then they beat them. They were down 5-1 in a game, by the way. They won by a score of 7-5 to five, yep. uh, with rookie Ken Dryden in goal. They went to the Stanley Cup final versus the Chicago Blackhawks. They won game seven in Chicago by a score of 3-2. to two. They win the Stanley Cup. And even after winning the Stanley Cup, they had the first pick overall in the draft. So for those who don't know the story, how did it happen? Guy Lafleur was tearing up... Um, you know, the league with the Quebec Ramparts in his last season, he had scored 130 goals. And um, and there was talk that Guy Lafleur, of course, was was going to be the next one. So uh, what did Sam Pollock, the then general manager, do? Uh, Sam Pollock made a deal with the California Golden Seals. He traded Ernie Hickey, a left winger, and the Habs first round pick in 1970 for Francois Lacombe, Cash, and the first round pick in 71, because in 71, it was between Guy Lafleur or Marcel Dion. So he figured, you know what? It's going to be one or the other. Let's make the deal with California. They're going to finish last in the league, and the Canadians will get the first pick overall. Brilliant move. But in the 71 season, things didn't go according to plan. And actually, Los Angeles had less points than California at one point, and it looked like they were going to finish last. So what does Sam Pollock do? He trades Ralph Backstrom, 32-year-old center, to the Los Angeles Kings. He plays 33 games with the Kings. He scores 14 goals. He picks up 27 points. The Kings actually end up finishing with 18 more points than the California Golden Seals. California finishes last overall, and the Montreal Canadiens get the first pick in the draft. A month before the draft, because once again, there was still talk of whether or not it was going to be Guy Lafleur or Marcel Dion. Guy Lafleur's idol was Jean Beliveau. He wore number four like Jean Beliveau did for the Canadians. Seagates, let me take you to the draft. This was June 10, 1971 at the Queen Elizabeth Hotel in Montreal. Let's hear from Sam Pollock. I think the thing that attracted me the most... Uh very definitely uh, was his hockey brains. All right, there you have it. So uh, Lafleur, it's funny. He scored 29 goals in year one with the Canadians, 28 in year two, uh, so 57 uh, in his uh, uh, 29, 20, 57 in his first couple of seasons. And yet everyone said, oh, he's not that great. He scored 21 in year three. A lot of people were worried. He was playing center. And uh, there was a lot of pressure. He had to be the heir apparent to Jean Beliveau, who had retired at the end of the 71 season. Jean Beliveau, who had captained the Canadians to that 1971 Stanley Cup win. He, Jean Beliveau had won, what was it, uh, 10 Stanley Cups. Yeah, 10. And um, so he felt a little bit of pressure. And then in year four, the helmet came off. Yvon Cornway tells me that it was... He, Cornway, and the pocket rocket, Henri Richard, 
They would see Lafleur take the helmet off, put it on, take it off, put it on, take it off. They said, Guy, just take it off and just be who you are. If you don't like it, take it off. He took it off, and see Gates, the rest was history. Talk to me about the first time you met Guy Lafleur. So you started working for the Canadians in 74. Um, how was your first encounter with him? Do you remember it? I, I do, and I do because I don't I sort of – like he was so low-key at the time, you know. Uh, you know, you walk in the dressing room and there's Pocket Rocket, there's Guy Lafoy and Serge Savard and all these Kenny Dryden, all guys that were in part of 72 series. And let me take a, a step back. My first my first ever game in a, at the form regular season game, you may recall this, uh, Tony. Uh, so in those days, the, the young lad would go to see the head coach and, and you would write on the whiteboard, who's not playing tonight? And so I go into Scotty Bowman's office and he tells me uh, 8, 21, and 16. They go, hold on a second. 8 is Ron Androff. I get it. In my mind, you know, 14 years old. 21, Glenn Sater. People forget mm-hmm. that Glenn Sater played for the Montreal Canadiens. 16 is the pocket rocket. <laughs> I go, what's, what's this? So I walk into the whiteboard and I, as I write, I'm 8, 21 and I wrote 16 at the last minute hoping that the coach would change his mind but I wrote 16 and behind me there's this pocket rocket that walks in from behind behind in the old form he goes out the front door rides along walks around the ice and gets out on St. Catherine Street and takes a cab and the rest is this he was away for but Guy Lafleur was um one of the lowest maintenance you know for for locker room attendant uh, support staff like our friend Mike Moreto yeah, you, uh, you know, he'll tell you that you know the superstars are quite often the lowest maintenance people off the court, off the pitch, off the ice. Oh, really? Hey, let me uh, ask you this: How much maintenance was a guy like Yvon Lambert? Very low maintenance. Yvon very low a, maintenance. Yeah, happy going guy. Uh, he would be uh, our running gag would be because you know the the official presentation they go by number, right? Yeah, and we would say Yvon. You're falling Gila Fleur, but you're number one in heart because everybody would applaud when Gila Fleur gets on the ice and then go, goes down to Lambert back to Cornway. So it was <laughs> an anti climax. But we used to, but but the one thing about, about Gila Fleur is that well, Gates, was, if you can hold that for a yeah. second, why don't we say hello to this gentleman right now if we can bring him in? Yvonne Lambert. Oui. Hey, say hi to C. Gates. Salut, hey, mon Gaetan. Comment Salut, ça mon, va? Jack Lambert, mon chum. How are you? Yes. Good, buddy. Good, good. Hey, number one Moody, in my heart. T'as bien parlé, Gaëtan. T'as bien huh? parlé. Number 11 on your sweater, number one in your heart. Yes, buddy. <laughs> Yvon, uh, it, was, it was really nice to see you earlier this evening as uh, we gathered at our buddy Frankie Finelli's house yeah. uh, to remember uh, our friend Guy Lafleur, more your friend than Seagate's friend. I wish he was as good a friend to me as he was to you, but he was a friend to everybody, right? I mean, the first time you would meet Guy Lafleur, he would make you feel like you've known each other for a hundred years. And, and, and Yvon, I know you want to pay tribute to your former teammate and your friend tonight. Um, talk to us about Guy Lafleur. Well, uh, Guy Lafleur uh, is the last one to be uh our superstar uh after Maurice Richard, Jean Beliveau, uh Flowers there 
and he took the flambeau uh, unbelievable. He took, uh, uh, it's unbelievable what he did. We had in the 70s, uh, we won four Stanley Cups together. Uh, Guy won five, me and won four with him. Yeah. And uh, he was number one in the world from 75 to 80. And we had such, such of a good memories with him. And us, because we were his line mates, uh, it's unbelievable the trail, the thrilling we had with him. And uh, uh, merci beaucoup, Guy. Merci, merci, merci beaucoup. And Yvonne, uh, if I can add one, Yvonne yeah, just said, Yvonne, Yvonne you, I think you will agree with me that Flower, you know, when we were, we, we get on the plane, he scored two goals and two assists, and he would, he would serve everybody. He would be serving us beers and meals, yeah. you know, and then he would tell the stewards, you know, you have a long day, you have a tough yeah. flight, but he just played three hours of hockey game in National Hockey League in Boston or Chicago, and he would be serving meals and beers, and, you know, like that's what was wow. No, Gaetan Flower was, it's just we learned that when we came up with the organization. No, Flower learned that from uh, uh, Maurice Richard. He learned it from Jean Beliveau. And those guys, when you're superstars, they realize that they're not only alone. They need 20 guys. And Beliveau said it all the time when I came up with the team. Guy Lafleur was, you know, it's not only Guy Lafleur. We're 20 guys. And like Gaetan said, you know, Flower in the, in the plane, uh, because he wasn't able to be with us all the time because he was so busy. He was so busy. He was, uh, uh, he was every day. So uh, Guy, yeah. uh, super, super, super guy. Ivo, a couple of things I want to get to with you, and I won't keep you very much longer, and I appreciate your time. But okay. one was, before we get to the 79 series versus the Bruins, how about the 77 series versus the Bruins? It was the Stanley Cup final, the Canadians versus the Bruins. The Canadians won game one and game two at the Montreal Forum. When they went back to Boston, Mike Milbury told the media, he told the papers, he told everyone, okay. I'm going to take Lafleur's head off. Yeah. <laughs> John Winsink called him a chicken, and game three happens in Boston. And to tell you the truth, Lafleur looked a little bit tentative in period number one. But then as the game went on, he put it in fifth gear. Two goals, two assists, <laughs> four two win. He beat the Bruins pretty much by himself, huh? Sure. Gila Fleur. Gila Fleur was so intense in every game. Every game. And like you said, you know, in the 70s, the big rivalry we had with the Flyers, Philadelphia Flyers, Boston Bruins, Toronto. Guy Lafleur showed up every game, every game, not only home, even on the road. And that's why those guys, they're superstars. They're, they're super vedette. And what happened with, <laughs> with Mike Bilberry there? Yeah, uh, that didn't impress too much a flower. Flower, I think he did purposely a shot to his head <laughs> instead of to shoot at the net. 
he shot at his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and Lafleur was asked, did you want to shoot at his head on purpose? He said, I just, I didn't want to hurt him. I just wanted to scare him. And yeah, Tony, yeah. if I may add, you know, yeah, I think Yvonne was taking a back seat here because I remember, Yvonne, I remember the day uh, Eddie, Paul, Jack, and I, we left the uh, Sheraton Hotel in Boston at three o'clock to go to the Boston Garden with Flower. Right. And, and, and um, uh, what's his name? Mr. Travis. M remember, uh, Brian well, Travis, the big guy Travis, I used yeah, to follow. Yeah, yeah. Every, the driver, and yeah. I, I, I know, I know. I remember to the day that you and, and Rick Chartres and Pierre Bouchard said to Flower, take care of the puck. We'll take care of Winsing and all these guys. You were the first yeah. one that told them, hey, yeah. you take care of the puck. We, we, we got your back. So Flower oh, yeah. felt, oh, yeah, okay. Yvonne, Yvonne, we used to, you know, Yvonne, Rick Chartres, Pierre Bouchard. When Yvonne says 20 players, okay, yeah. he's, he's, so, he's so spot on. And that's why. Flower recognized, and then Yvonne takes a back seat, but he deserves a lot of credit because Yvonne and all these guys, they say, Flower, you score, we'll, we got the rest. Yeah. We got the rest, yeah. don't worry about it. In well, Philadelphia, Gates, Gates, one of my favorite we moments. That, Gaeta, Gaeta, yeah. We learned that, and uh, Tony, we learned that when we came up with the organization. Yeah. You know, Jean Bidivaux, Jean Bidivaux always said, hey, I'm not the only one. We're winning cups. It's because we're 20 guys. We're a family. And Flower did the same thing. Flower, he, he was so, like, he was so nice, so generous. And, you know, he was the first one to say, you see, we won because I need you guys. We're 20 guys together. And you're right about that 20 guys together. I was thinking earlier today. In 1979, Guy Lafleur had something like 123 points. I believe he had like 89 points or something like that, more than Bob Gainey. He, along <laughs> with Jacques Lemaire in the playoffs, led the Canadians with 23 points or something. And 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 Gainey won the Conn Smythe in 1979. So to think, you know, you had a, a, a Guy Lafleur, a Jacques Lemaire, all those great players. It was Bob Gainey that won the Conn Smythe. So... He really bought into the whole team concept. And Yvonne, one of my favorite memories of Guy Lafleur was a memory of Guy Lafleur and Yvonne Lambert. I'll take you to 1979, the yes. playoffs between the Canadians and the Bruins. The Bruins lead by a score of 4-3 to three, with a couple of minutes left in regulation. They get called for too many men on the ice, and Guy Lafleur does this. Yeah. Coming out rather gingerly on the right side. Yes, he gives it into Lemaire back to the foot. Yvonne, before we get to the next goal, can yeah. you begin to explain to me? You're on the bench. Yeah. You see Lafleur score that goal. Yeah. Can you put into words what you felt at that moment? Well, uh, we felt. We're in the game because the Bruins, they were leading the games for 58 minutes. You know, they were always leading the game. And it's the seventh game in Montreal. And the penalty there, uh, Scotty Bowman was always uh, the second Every second shift was Guy yeah. Lafleur. Yes. And when Flowers scored the goal, in overtime, we go back in the dressing room. And then uh, 
Mario Tremblay says to me, hey, Lambert, Lambert, we're going to score the goal with that. Because us, me, Mario, and uh, Rice Bra, and then uh, Regent Hall, we were having really good games against the Bruins and Flower, too. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, and that's what happened. You know, I, I did have the score uh, in overtime. And I had 24 hours vegetarian like Guy Lafleur. Yeah, let's uh, let's uh, relive that magical moment right now, Yvonne. Let's take a look. I know you get you never get tired of seeing that goal. Your goal in 1979. Took by the veteran, stopped him. Here's Trombley hitting the Boston line. Trombley cutting. Hey, Yvonne. What God. is that, scoring a goal like that? What does that feel like? Top of the world. <laughs> La Fleur was second that night. You <laughs> don't remember, remember a couple of days later, uh, yeah. the guys were joking around in the locker room, and Serge was saying, yeah. Hey, I made the play that, that made the pass yeah. to you. Yeah. So, 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 Tony, that was the kind of group that we had at the time. No, yeah. we said, Okay, check. We won, we beat them, check. And I said, Regent Old. Reggie, yeah, Reggie, yeah, Reggie. Pass, you know, but yeah. search of our cut, uh, Rick Middleton, yeah, and Reggie just tip, tip the puck to Mario Trombley, and Mario Trombley, and Reggie, oh, I'm a hell of a pass, it wasn't a hell of a pass, just tip the puck. To Mario Trombley. So for a week after this seventh game, Tony, the the, the, the locker room talk was. All, all pranks. Uh, Reggie argued with Serge, who made the point. And Lambert said, I, I scored a goal. I scored a goal. Hey, Yvonne, uh, before we let you go, you talked to us about so many great moments on the ice. Is there a moment that stands out for you off the ice? Would Gila Fleur something that you saw that you said, wow, lui là, il m'impressionne? Why, there's uh, many of them, many of them. But I Give me one. Once, I remember once. Uh, after our career, we're off. We're the uh, alumni. We're playing uh, with, uh, we're going to Sagar family, uh, Desmarais, La Famille Desmarais and Sagar. And uh, we're playing an outside game. And it's minus 40 degrees. And we're starting to sign autographs uh, on the ice there. And uh, it was so cold. So Mr. Desmarais asked Guy Lafleur, can you come inside and keep signing autographs? Guy Lafleur said, yes, we're all going inside and we're all going to sign the 250 autographs. There were maybe 250 people there uh, outside in Sagi. family. It was so, so touchy, so nice. And Andre Desmarais, the family, they invited us the next summer to go and play golf there. So uh, Guy Lafleur, uh, it's unbelievable what he did. His generosity uh, towards his public the fans, the fans, uh, that's Guy Lafleur, number one. Ivo, I know it's been a very long and very difficult day for you. 
Thank you so much for joining me uh, on the Sick Podcast tonight. Merci, Merci Yvon. Tony. Hey, Jack. Merci Salut, Gaëtan. Bonne soirée, Yvon. Gates, if you can stick around for sure. a few minutes, sure. uh, because, you know, there were these stories that Guy Lafleur would get to the rink at, like, I don't know, 3.30, 4 o'clock for an 8 o'clock game. Can you talk to us about what that was all about? Because I would imagine if there's one person who knew or who saw it, it was you. Yeah, so so I go back earlier on. I, you know, I started working for the Canadians and um, the late Eddie Palchak, you know, our dear friend Eddie Palchak, says, uh, Flower needs to be in the room at 3.30. I go, 3.30? Game's at 8. Okay, fine. So I go see my dad. I said, Dad, I need, I need a paper from you so I can see my teacher. Uh, and ask him to be able to leave the, the Point Saint Charles High School, Charlemagne in Point Saint Charles, 15 minutes earlier. So in the 70s, were, and I you know not not to say don't don't talk where I where I'm from, but it was not it was not the hottest place to be, right? No no shower, no bathroom. It was just. So I said, Mr. Provo, I said uh, I need to leave school at three o'clock instead of three fifteen. Give the first picking me up to go to the form. He goes. Mr. Lefebvre, because he used to call every student Mr. Mr. Moreno, Mr. Lefebvre, Mr. Moreno. I guess, sir, I promise you, you know, if it, if it's not Guy Lefebvre, I don't know the word in English, je vais t'en retenir, I'll be uh, staying. Uh, yeah, detention. Detention. Yeah. So here comes my chemistry teacher. When he sees Guy Lefebvre, he's out. I prevented him. I said, sir, please don't do this. I have to go. So on weekdays, many times, Flower would pick me up at school. We'd go to the forum. He would park his Toronado car, yeah, orange Toronado, and we walk in the dressing room, and uh, I would hang up my stuff and open my school bag. Yeah, Gates, pardon me, Gates, yeah. pardon me. Those car rides. Yeah. What was the conversation? Uh, how's school? Are you okay? Is everything okay? Uh, do you need anything? I'm fine, Flower. I mean, I'm, I'm living a dream. I mean. <laughs> I'm not even agree. But you know, the, the thing about flowers that story that I was told. Yeah. If I can. Yeah, sure. It involved Gila Fleur, you, and a winter jacket. Do you know what yeah. I'm talking about? Absolutely. Um, so you're right, you're spot on. So, you know, I don't like coming from a underprivileged neighborhood, uh, you know, you you you're working for the Montreal Canadians, all of a sudden you become the spotlight of your own family, and then you don't want to do that because you don't I got brothers and, fa- and cousins and all that stuff. So uh, I'm going to the forum and it has to be, it was one of those, you know, those cold February you know, days where I, so I have a, a, a in those days, uh, Tony, even the stick boy need to have a clip on tie to walk into the forum. That was the rules. Mm-hmm. No, no long hair and a clip up tie. So I had a, a, a clip on tie with a, a jean jacket, which like almost like fur inside. Those yeah. jean jacket. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm freezing my BL. Uh, so, yeah. so I get into the form and I, I'm trying to get undressed and, and I see a mink coat. So I, I said, Flower, for God's sakes, I got a locker room that's got a foot long and six foot high. That's my, I got one foot by six foot in the entire form. You got the entire building. He says, it doesn't fit me anymore. I said, Flower, I'm five foot eight. You're six foot one. It never fits you. So it was a mink coat because he felt that I was cold. I look around and said, so I open the jacket, it says, from Guy to Gates. 
a mink coat. Wow. So a couple, uh, a few months later, I'm still in school. And um, my, one of my girlfriend was from Quebec City. And in those days, you had a day off on Christmas Day. And I had an old bobcat, all rusty bobcat. I used to park across the street. Remember, Tony, from the forum on the Maisonneuve, there was a parking lot just across the street. Yeah. Yeah. And so practice day on the 24th, I'm running across the street to make. I get, think there was a gas station there too, no? Exactly. So I'm, I'm yeah. trying to rush, rush to, to Quebec City. I'm looking for my car. My car, my, my car is not there. My keys are not there. So the guy says, well, Mr. LaFleur says it's not safe for you to go to Quebec City in that Bobcat. This is the car you're taking. So you, you rented me a car. I go, oh, God, there you go again. He goes, have a look at the, at the glove compartment. 200 bucks. In 77, that was Guy Lafleur wow. with a note, don't be late for the plane. Because in those days, we used to go to Pittsburgh on, 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 on Boxing Day. Don't be late for the plane. <laughs> and that was wow. far. I, don't uh, I, was, I was told so many stories of, uh, of um, you know, he always made time for his fans, right? He always made time for his fans. I, I received a few messages today from... Uh, from a you know one gentleman said that uh, they had a family party at Guy's restaurant back in the day, and uh, Guy came in uh, for the day just to meet um, you know uh, the people. He knew that they were big fans. Took pictures with everyone, picked up babies, picked up children, would take pictures, and you know there was uh, there was an event a couple of years ago to pay tribute to Guy Lafleur and and. Uh, uh, you know, he always talked about uh, that for him, the public was number one. And um, at times it even kind of hurt his family life, right? Because everyone wanted a piece of him that he put the public, his fans before his family. And, uh, you know, he said that later on in life, he got to appreciate how much, you know, how important his family was to him. But for him, uh, the fans were so important. They were so important. And, to, to hear the stories, the way he treated you, ask you about school, give you money, give you a mink coat. It was unbelievable. Um, it was ultimately, it was, it was um, the fact that he was a heavy smoker uh, that, uh, that put him in, in some health trouble. Uh, how much did he smoke when he was playing? Because there was talk that he would smoke before the games, after the periods and, yeah, and you have to remember that he was under uh, so much pressure. I, 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 and I, I don't know, I don't remember the year, the year exactly, but I do remember where there was some threats against his life and they were he was going to get kidnapped. And he was wearing a belt uh, for, his, for, for his clothes. I think it's 75 against the Flyers or 70s. I think it's 75, yeah, where Jean Bellevo and him only knew, but we all sensed there was something going on because it was always, no, no, the big guys with all the neck walking around with him, uh, following bodyguards, and and and, and Flower was under a lot of pressure. I mean, a lot of pressure, and because you know, Gee, Gee, uh, I'm I'm happy you're sharing this story tonight, and I'm going to tell you why, right? Because there was this, I think, a misconception that Flower. Uh, uh, like to smoke because back then it was cool. Someone very close to him told me that Flower 
felt a lot of pressure and had a lot of nervous energy before the game. That's yeah. why he needed to get to the arena at 3.30. He needed to get there. He needed to smoke. He needed to have his uh, cups of coffee. He needed to decompress. He needed to relax. And he felt a lot of pressure. He was supposed to be the next Beliveau. He was supposed to be the next 50-goal scorer, the next 100-point guy, the next uh, deliver Stanley Cups. And and he he did all of that. But and he, people he, always he, wanted more. But you know what? What I'd like what I'd like to think, or I think, is that the locker room was his kingdom and the ice was his stage. And when he was in his kingdom, he knew that he was able to be himself, well, like a young lad like me, like a 15, 16, 17-year-old like me, where I would never judge him. We would, we would, you know, we would play backgammon. You play backgammon with your stick boy. And, and, and then he was able to be himself, which is a genuine, good, caring person. Guy Lafleur was a, a very, very, very good person. He did so many things for a lot of people on and off the ice. And he was, but then as the game came close, the game time came, he was, he would put his sort of a, uh, how do I say that? His costume on, which would, meant the sweater. And then now the show must go on. And after the show was done, when the game was over, and I remember, I mean, the, the, the in place to be in Montreal after a game at, at, when the, we were playing Montreal was the locker room. You had Prime Minister Trudeau, uh, René Lévesque, Jean, Jean Drapeau, uh, Gilles, Jacques, Gilles Villeneuve, all the, the who's who will be in Paul Newman. They were all be in Montreal. And they were in locker room. And if I would walk by the gates tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock, yeah, flowers tomorrow morning. There's, I mean, there's, there's Kiva for talking to Paul Newman. Say, gates. Not a cough more, right? Yeah, no problem, Flower. That's that was key because he he he, he like he like he, he appreciated Yvonne Lambert and Pierre Bouchard, Rick Chartres, because what they could do with him on the ice, but he appreciated Eddie Polchak and myself and other people off the ice. Because our job was to make his kingdom comfortable comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. In nineteen eighty-four, Jacques Lemaire's coach. Uh, he doesn't get off to the start that he wants. His production had gone down a little bit. Lemaire no longer thought that Guy Lafleur was a top six player. So then his role was uh, in one of the bottom two lines, but he didn't think he was a checker and he didn't think he was a shutdown guy. So uh, it, it wasn't a fit. And um, he went to see Lemaire. He wasn't happy. They had a, they had a talk, a heart to heart. And he said, I need ice time or else I, I, I just, I won't be able to, to, to put up points if you don't give me ice time. And Lemaire promised him all the ice time in the world over 20 minutes. You'll play power play. You'll play penalty kill. You'll, you'll double shift. You'll play this, that, all that stuff. He said, okay. And I think the next game he played six minutes and he said, you know what? That's it. A couple of days later, I'm going to take you to Monday, November 26, 1984. Guy Lafleur announces his retirement. Watch this. Que pardon, ça y allait beaucoup mieux euh, cette année. Puis cette année, mais je suis arrivé, puis euh, tombé dans une intergie que tout le monde connaît. Puis euh, c'est là que j'ai décidé de, de, de prendre le week-end, puis euh, d'en parler. Euh. Sérieusement, avec ma, ma famille. Je pensais pas... Euh, 
peut-être que je n'étais pas motivé comme je l'ai été dans les années, dans mes grosses années. Puis que je me suis aperçu d'une chose, c'est que l'équipe allait bien. Puis il vaut mieux se retirer quand l'équipe va bien que si l'équipe avait été dans, dans une passe où il y avait eu des, des difficultés. Gates, Guy Lafleur always spoke his mind, right? Um... Uh, he would say what a lot of people thought, but they never had the courage to say it. He would say mm -hmm. it, and people loved him for it. On that particular day, you got the feeling that he didn't say everything that was on his mind. He took the diplomatic way out. Maybe I wasn't as motivated. Maybe this, maybe that. Um, but you can tell he was in a lot of pain when he announced that retirement. He did not want to retire. No, and neither did we... A lot of people around the club wanted to retire. Uh, I remember to this day uh, when he retired, I was living in Kirkland. I went down to my basement. I cried for about half hour because it was for me uh, the first departure of the, of the last great one. You know, I was fortunate enough to see Pocket Rocket when he in '74, and John Billabo was around, and I had Guy Lafleur, Robinson, Gainey, Lapointe, Savard, yeah. Dryden, Cornway, and Flower was the, no, until we had Patrick Water came a couple of years later and Carbono and all these guys, so it it, it was tough to to witness as a as a support cast. Um, yeah. Uh, and Gage, we, yeah, yeah. Guy Lafleur had so many fans. Then he came back three and a half years later as a New York Ranger, and we'll get to that in just a couple of minutes. One fan uh, was a super fan. Liam McGuire, known as Mr. Hockey Trivia all over the world. I know Liam would love to say hi to you, Gates. Hey, Liam, Liam McGuire, say hi to Gaetan Lefebvre. Gaetan Lefebvre, uh, it's a real pleasure to see you again, my friend. And uh, How are you, sir? Well, sad day, but I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm nice. doing okay. I think anybody like yourself who, who worked for the organization for the length of time you did uh, – You know, I, I think more of you guys today than, than people like myself. But I, I think all of us today uh, lost a piece of us as hockey fans is what Leon, I've been going with today. If there's one thing I've learned from Guy Lafleur, there's no distinction between somebody who played with, worked with, or is a fan of. We're all we're all fans of Guy Lafleur. We all love Guy Lafleur. We're all we're all the Guy Lafleur extended families. And yeah. me personally, I I, I am. This morning, I, I'll be honest with you, I cried from 6 to about 9. And then I had a couple calls with league's officials. And, and Flower would say, come on, Gates, man up, step up, next show must go on. And yeah. to a certain extent, I am I am uh, I'm relieved to know yeah. that he no longer suffers. For me, that's yeah. the number one thing more important. Yeah. And, and I think between him, the Rocket, Pocket, Flower, uh, I mean, Mr. Bellavo, Mike Bossy, they have a pretty good team up there. Yeah. <laughs> Get time. Yeah, I so appreciate your time. It's been a long day for you. Like yeah. you said, it started at six o'clock this morning. Before I let you go in, in 30 seconds, if you can, when was the last time you spoke with Guy? And if you can say something to Guy right now, because we know that he's watching, what would you tell him? Guy, can I say it in French? Mais oui, vas-y. Guy, merci beaucoup d'avoir... Um, Thank you for giving a kid from Point Saint Charles who came from not a fun background. Make me believe that I can do be 
Okay, I could potentially be something in life. I don't pretend to be a superstar, but he gave me confidence at age 14 where I didn't speak a word of English. I came from the hood, have difficulty, have three meals a day. And this guy said, hey, you're part of Montreal Canadiens. I'm just a stick boy. You know, no, you're part of the Montreal. Guy, merci, merci, merci beaucoup. Je t'aime. Merci à toi, Gaetan Lefebvre. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you, Gaetan. Uh, Liam McGuire, you love the Montreal Canadiens so much, you got married at the Montreal Forum. <laughs> I I got it. We got engaged there, Tony. <clears throat> and and uh, I was the only guy. We were the only couple to do it. And in the 71-year, three-month, 17-day history, that building was open for NHL hockey. And uh, it was on a Friday night. September 10th, 1993, 7.35 p.m. And, yeah, I mean, that building was my second home. That team was my life. And those players, the ones I grew up with, were my family is how I, I view it. And I lost part of my family today. And I lost part of my hockey life today with the passing of Guy. Lee, uh, Liam, only Guy Lafleur, um, as a visiting player, can get the ovation that he got. I take you back to February 5th, 1989. Guy Lafleur returns to the Montreal Forum, still wearing the red, white, and blue, but this time uh, with the New York Rangers. They got the Gee Gee here in just a minute. I guess really this isn't surprising, Scotty. Here's it. We'll get back to Lafleur now. Four years out of hockey, but my goodness, how they love him in Montreal. And here it is. Here's Lafleur coming on the ice, and he is getting an immediate standing O. And this is the second one that he's got. And the familiar chant of Gee Gee goes up. Would you have believed it, really? Gee Lafleur against Gil Thibodeau. Lafleur with the puck and play against the boards by. The flower. Now it's Miller is centering pass. Here's the first goal! You know, Hunter McCauley gets how many goals he scored in that net. But you know, it's a couple hundred probably. But LaFleur is showing the magic in front of the net. He's able to take that rebound and put it right in the net. And what an ovation! And there was another one after that. I don't know if we have it, but uh, Guy Lafleur scored two goals. If we can get it, uh, let's let's go to it. Right after that, there was the second goal that he scored. Right? Yeah, yeah, there uh, was, and that's the one where he made the play on Sabota, I think. Right at the blue line. Yeah, I uh, made the play on Sabota on the blue line and uh, quick wrist shot that beat Patrick Roy. Yeah. Uh, do we have it? It's right after that goal. Uh, I'd love to get it. Guy Lafleur scored two goals that night. Okay, we don't uh, we don't have it yet. Maybe I'm going to be uh, I'll, I'll be told when we when we do have it. No problem. Um, that was uh, that was um, that was a great moment. He scores two goals and um, another great moment. Here's another night I'm never going to forget. March 30th, 1991, Quebec plays the Canadians because, of course, he played a year 
with the Rangers. Uh, Michel Bergeron was the coach. Phil Esposito was the GM. And then Esposito took over, I think, with a couple of games left. Remember that? And, and Bergeron yeah. was dismissed. And um, Bergeron went to Quebec, so he followed him there with the Nordiques. His last game that he played uh, in Montreal, he scored his 560th goal of his career. And when his career was over, I know, Liam, probably one of the greatest nights in your life, March 11, 1996, the closing of the Montreal Forum. Yeah. Guy Lafleur, listen to this. For les uns, il était le démon blond. For d'autres, Flower. Il fut la plus grande vedette du hockey dans les années 70. Premier joueur à connaître six saisons de 50 buts et plus. Membre de la première équipe d'étoiles, 6 ans de suite. Il mérite le trophée Art Ross, remis au premier compteur dans la Ligue 3 ans de suite. Joueur le plus utile, gagnant du trophée Hart, deux années consécutives, gagnant du trophée Smythe. Il a réécrit le livre des records du Canadien. C'était un joueur fascinant, capable des plus grands exploits dans les situations les plus difficiles. Un homme et un joueur de passion qui n'a jamais laissé personne indifférent. Gagnant de cinq Coupes Stanley, élu au Temple de la Renommée en 1988, le numéro 10, Guy Lafleur If, um, if that doesn't give you goosebumps, nothing will, huh? No, you know, that night is always remembered so much about the Rocket, but then so good of you, Tony, to play that. And because, I mean, the ovations were so big for everybody, and then the Rockets was insane. <clears throat> the crowd that night, that Monday night, and, and Guy being a part of it, it just seemed so right, you know? It just, it just was right. Everything was right with the world. Montreal beat Dallas easily. Um, you know, nobody cared that Kovalenko got the last goal. Uh, yeah. It was all about, we all knew the carpet was coming out and we knew it was going to be spectacular because that's the way the Habs roll. And now you look back on that with Guy gone today and it, it sure resonates a lot more, to be honest. <clears throat> and I was there that night. And I'll never forget it. It was my final night after 21 years of going to the Montreal Forum. And uh, I'll never forget it. And it resonates a lot more today seeing that now, Tony. So I'm really glad you played it. Liam, there was just something about Guy Lafleur. And I, I know a lot of people say a lot of nice things about someone when they pass. But uh, I, I think you can kind of understand me because I think you kind of feel the same way. There were players that scored more goals than Guy Lafleur. There were players that picked up more assists than Guy Lafleur. There were players that had more points than Guy Lafleur. But I never liked another player more than I like Guy Lafleur. And um, I know he wasn't the greatest hockey player of all time. But for me, he was. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and you're making me emotional too, man, thinking about it. I'll tell you, I've, I've had a long day. And like you, and like Gaetan, and like many, many others that have had the privilege, I call it today, 
to have reminisced and somewhat memorialized and talked about this guy's incredible career. I don't think you could say it any better than you just did, Tony, because statistically you don't have to try and, and, and pussyfoot around this. The guy is still 29th overall in scoring, okay? He's been retired for 30 years. He's still 29th in scoring. Yeah, he'll be passed to go down probably a few more. A few guys will pass him 1,343 points. Wasn't about that. He took the torch from Bobby Orr, and he handed it to Wayne Gretzky. He was that guy between those two, and he didn't take a backseat to them in the years that he carried that torch. He was the best player in the world. He was the best player on the greatest team ever. He was the straw that stirred the drink for the National Hockey League in that six-year run that he had, let alone the success that the Canadians had, which he largely orchestrated, albeit with the most incredible team you could possibly have. So his flair, his look, the hair, his style, his skating, his shot, his compete level, you put all that together with the CH on your chest in Montreal, with the cosmopolitan city that the Montreal that Montreal is, with that fan base that had grown up with Joe Malone, and Howie Morenz, and Arul Joliet, Rocket Richard, and Elmer Locke, and Toe Blake, and into Jean Beliveau, and Boom Boom Jeffrey, and Dickie Moore, and Doug Harvey, and into the great goaltenders, and then into Guy. And you're talking about a 40, 50, almost 60-year run generations of people in that city, in that province, in our country, and in the sport of hockey that grew up. And then coming along comes Guy, and he just comes in and becomes that guy, the next guy, and he takes it to the level that he did. This is, he was special. Everything you just said was correct. He had 560 goals on 894. He had 1,343 points, not 2,800 like Gretzky. But in his day, in his time, when it was needed, when he came up the ice with the puck on a Saturday night in the Montreal Forum, everybody came out of their seats. Everybody came out of their seats in their living rooms or in the bars because Lafleur was coming up the ice with the puck. That's what it was, man. Yeah. Liam, Liam, he retired for three and a half years, came back at age 37, new team, new coach, new system, new culture, new everything, and put up what, like 0.70 points per game or close to that with the Rangers. You would know better than I do, but I, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it was like 45 or 47 points in 65 games or something like that with the Rangers yeah. in the first year. Yeah, and then and then the year after that, he joined the Nordiques. He almost put up a point per game. I know, eight years old. I know. You you know, Tony. The first time I ever met him was after he retired in Montreal, and he joined the alumni, and he came to Ottawa to play with the Montreal alumni against a, an alumni group here in Ottawa, a charity event. And I was working at the time. I'd come back from college, and I was hired by a local, the local community cable channel. They had the broadcast rights that day. This was an alumni game. So I was the uh, I was the interviewer, and so in the first intermission, I went on the ice at the Earl Armstrong Arena and interviewed Guy Lafleur, and like he 
It was ridiculous. And it was an alumni game. He'd been out of the NHL for about 12 months at that time. And he was, it was so ridiculous how good he was. And look, I know I've been around hockey all my life. You know, I, I played competitively till I was 24. I know what I know. I'm telling you right now, he was, he was, I said to him at the end of the interview, I said, you should still be playing. This is ridiculous. And he just laughed it off. That's 37 years ago. It That was the first time I met him. Uh, if you had told me that when I, I went to the forum the first time and saw him score his first playoff hat trick on Saturday night, May 1st, 1975, game three against the Sabres, Montreal won 7 nothing. Guy Lafleur got his first playoff hat trick. I was in the building. I was 15 years old. He scored his third goal on a delayed penalty where he took it end to end. I thought the roof of the forum was going to blow off that night. I never thought I'd see anything like it again. And then four years later, he did what he did in game seven against the Bruins, where I also was in the building with my late father. And when Guy scored to tie that with a buck 14 to go at the end of that power play, as God is my witness, the railing shook that night. My father and I standing behind the Reds, standing room only in the, in the unbelievable Montreal Forum in that atmosphere, and the noise, Tony, the crowds, the volume, the exhaling from the lungs went out and bounced off the walls and came back like a tsunami and swallowed us in an, in an unbelievable decibel level. I've never heard a building like it before or since when Guy scored that goal in 79. He was... Very, very special. He's a special athlete, special human being, special man, and a great Canadian, unbelievable Quebecer. So proud of being a Quebecois from the province. And everything that he stood for, everything that he represented on the ice and off the ice as a Montreal Canadian is is beyond reproach. I mean, it so sounds thankful. like, a, yeah, so thankful. It sounds like a state funeral is being planned uh, and it's probably going to take place at the Bell Center. And uh, and I would imagine I'm going to see you there and and uh, and I'll give you a big hug when I do. Thanks for doing this, Liam. Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me on, buddy. I appreciate thank, it. Thank, thank you. you very much, Liam McGuire. All right. In ending. I got my jersey here that I talked to you about before. Um, this is the jersey that I got for myself for Christmas that Guy signed um, in the month of January. And um, it all coincided during that time. He actually had stopped his chemo uh, and he wanted uh, quality of life in his final months. Um, here's a couple of pictures I want to show you uh, if I can. Um, myself with Guy. We have those pictures. Let's bring up those pictures if we can. We're not bringing up the pictures for whatever reason. Can we uh, bring up the pictures? No. Okay. It looks like there's a technical issue and uh, the pictures are not coming up, but all right, there you have it. Uh, there's a chat that's, that was opening night at the bell center. One year, there was a red carpet night and Gila Fleur was on the red carpet. And so was I, and I had a chance to meet him and there's one and, 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 and take a picture with him. And, and uh, there was another one when we took a picture with, uh, uh, with uh, the Stanley Cup. I spent some time with him, my son, uh, Larry Robinson, and there you have it, um, at a restaurant in the West Island with uh, the Stanley Cup. 
we um we in Montreal and Montreal Canadiens fans, we we all lost our hero today. We lost our hero, we lost our idol. Um but legends last forever. We love you, Guy. Um honoring Guy Lafleur. It's the Sick Podcast. You can follow us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at the Sick Podcast, and follow us on our YouTube channel. Good night. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6, Intense by Nature, and Lakage. If the last time you went to Lakage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lakage. The menu will surprise you. <laughs>